Come back. <laughs> no, that's good. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Christine and the uh, worship group for leading us there. They were really enjoyed those songs, refreshing and me. So tied in with some of the thoughts which I've had, which is always great to uh, So thank you for that. That's lovely. Would you like to turn, if you've got a Bible, to Psalm 4? That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Just a couple of background thoughts. Psalm 3 and 4 go together in many ways. There's a lot of similarities with each of them. They're both written by King David. They both have a very similar structure. David's facing great troubles in, in both Psalm 3 and 4, and he's suffering injustice and um, re- really is going, being dragged through the mill really in, in both Psalms. And it's thought likely that they were both written about around about the same time as each other. In fact, some think they were written on the same day, simply because, and I don't know how true this is but just as you read through it psalm 3 it's suggested was written in the morning um around about uh, well just after getting up from bed because psalm 3 verse 5 says i lay down and slept i awoke for the lord sustained me so it's something happened he's obviously been asleep he's woken up the lord sustained him so it's been called a morning psalm and uh, psalm 4 has been called an evening psalm because in verse 4, he refers to, be angry and do not sin, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. It's as though he's looking forward to that time, maybe talking to himself. Think about what's happened during the day on your bed. Um, so they could have been written literally within a few hours of each other, or they may not have been. But the heading for Psalm 3 is, in my Bible and probably in yours as well, the Lord helps his troubled people. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And it's likely that that's a setting for Psalm 4 as well. If you know, remember Absalom, he of the long hair, and the son of David, or a son of David, who rebelled against David and caused endless trouble. And we'll see that as we just look into the, a little bit more of the background. Eventually, his, his hair was his pride and joy, but it actually was his undoing, or caught upping, whatever you like, because he was riding on his, actually it was a mule or donkey, um, fleeing, he got caught up in a tree with his hair, and got fastened, and Joab, the chief, the commander-in-chief of David, killed him. Um, so, that's, that's the sort of the background. New... N- News came to David about this revolt by Absalom, his son. That Absalom and his army, you see, Absalom had been, is inveigle a word? Inveigling, to inveigle, all right, it was inveigling, whatever that means. It was, what's it mean? No, is it not? It is a word, all right, we have a... a, Google it. I, th- I think it means it sort of gets in, it gets on their, gets them on their side, gets them on his side, gets into their minds, and he draws them to himself. Absalom went around making great promises to people, and sympathising with their problems, and saying you've got it hard, haven't you? And, and yeah, David's not doing his job, and if you if you let me be king, then 
you know, that, so he, he was, he became a bit like politicians, really. He made a lot of promises. Pardon? Con- we well, conspired. Yeah, they, he, 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 he got people on his side. And it was a popular revolt so that this popular army marched with him to Jerusalem. David hears of that and he rapidly, he had a choice. Does he stay and fight and cause a lot of bloodshed and a lot of people get killed? Or does he flee and he chooses to flee? So this aged king, David. It's right, is it? Good. What does it mean? Oh, right, that's good. To persuade by means of flattery. Yeah, inveigle. Don't ask me how you spell it, but it sounds good. Let's read Psalm 4. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart, more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, Sorry, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That start of a psalm is a great start, isn't it? Verse 1, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. That's a lovely, strong statement. It's the only time that that God is addressed like that In in the Bible. This isn't Jehovah, you may have heard the different names for Jehovah. Jehovah Sid Kenyu is, is Jehovah, the Lord, my righteousness. This is God, Elohim, in the Hebrew. It's, it's just the general term for God. And, and David's saying, God, you are my God, the God of my righteousness, which is an amazing insight. It's a New Testament insight, isn't it, that, really? When you think that David is saying, recognizing that all of his righteousness comes from God. God is the source of his righteousness. That's a New Testament teaching. But David had the insight to call God, my God, the God of my righteousness. Um, I was thinking in Rome, the, the, the clearest explanation of this in the New Testament, I think, is Romans chapter 3, verse 20 to 22. I'm in the NIV, um, Helen. Romans 3, 20 to 22. 20 to 22, yeah. Okay. So, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. 
verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So righteousness is a gift from God. It's by faith. You can't earn it. We can't merit it. We can't work our way to this righteousness. It's a gift of God. And uh, that's, why, that's why Paul could say there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. What he's saying is before God, it's a, it's a judicial, if you're a legal term, before God, God has acquitted you of all sin. And you are righteous because you put your trust in Christ. You are righteous in God's eyes. And that means that nothing, whatever sin a believer will ever do, will ever take away that righteousness, that, that standing before God. No sin that you or I can commit as a believer will ever reverse that legal decision of God's. It, it will never be held against us because it's all been paid. And so Paul could say, there is therefore now no condemnation, none at all, for those who are in Christ, because we, we are united with him. And that's a, that is an amazing, wonderful, wonderful truth that we're told. And David was given this insight that God was his righteousness. And so in his distress, he called out, and uh, he does call it distress, just going back, um, verse 1 again. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, you have relieved me when I was in distress. He was in trouble, he was in ang ang anxiety, if you like, and anxious state in his heart. And it had been caused by his own son. There's no one like your own family that can cause great joy and also great sadness. And uh, here... Well, David, he was like the piercing of the sword through his heart. His own son had caused this great sadness. And he fled. But not only did he flee as a defeated king in shame, many of his loyal subjects seemed to have deserted him. And even his friends seemed to have no hope. Just look at verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. So the thought could be that these are his loyal friends. These are the ones who are fleeing with him. And they're saying, well, is there anybody going to show us any good? Will anybody come to our side? We just can't see a way out of this. So they'd given up hope almost. They were despairing. It seemed dark even to his friends. And uh, David in his frustration and pain, in verse 2, he says, How long, all oh, you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? So his character was being slandered. His, his, his reputation was just trampled in the mud. And uh, he'd been betrayed by the person he loved most deeply, his own son. He'd been humiliated and shamed by those who'd been his loyal subjects. And even his own followers had given up hope. Spurgeon used to say that troubles come in flocks. 
Today we'd say they come like buses. You know, they don't come, and then they come, and they come, and they come. And he cried out, Lord, how long? How long is this going to go on for? And then right in the middle of the psalm, he suddenly brings this teaching, and this is what struck me when I was looking at this. It's like advice, and I'm, I'm not sure whether it's advice to himself or advice to people, that he's, to anybody, his, his readers. Maybe he's talking to himself. Maybe it's just, just what he's, he's sharing from his experience for the benefit of others. And uh, he gives some great advice about how to react when you are provoked. Advice how to react in provocation, whatever that provocation is. And it's great advice, sound advice, simple lessons, how to deal with our reactions. Our, somebody said, actions are what we do in life. Reactions are what we do when life does something to us. Actions are what we do in life. Reactions are what we do when life does something to us. And isn't it in our reactions that we struggle most, I would say? What happens when we are provoked? When someone does something to us? How do we react when we experience difficulties and troubles and pressures? Or we feel stressed and we feel strained and overwhelmed maybe? How do we react in those situations? Someone has said that many of us have been converted in our actions but not thoroughly converted in our reactions. We might not murder, we might not steal, we might not lie, but when it comes to our reactions, then we can so easily act in the flesh, I suppose. I, I, I can remember, t uh, yeah, you're driving along, somebody does something, you react, and uh, very quickly. It doesn't take much to ruffle our fe feathers. We get annoyed. If not on the outside, we get annoyed on the inside. And... Uh, or we answer back, or we react in a prickly way when our pride's been hurt, maybe in our marriages, or our feelings have been wounded, and we decide, whatever, maybe, you know, left out of something, so we take our batter off, that sort of thing. We can be a bit like the jack-in-the-box. Everything's under control, un under control when it's peaceful, and then something happens, whoosh, and up it comes. Sometimes we misconstrue something that's been said. Something that might be said very innocently. And we mishear it somehow. A man was calling at houses looking for odd jobs to do. And one man gave him a pot of paint and a brush and asked him to go around the front and paint the porch. A few hours later he came back and said, well, I finished all the painting. But it wasn't a porch, it was a Ferrari. <laughs> Ba-boom. <laughs> Thankfully, David shows us the way, okay, to experiencing victory in our reactions. First of all, simple, resolve not to sin. Verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Now, that was quoted by Paul in Ephesians. We don't need to turn to it because it's the same. Ephesians 4, 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 
So I think there, in, if, if, instead of anger, you could substitute any, any reaction. Don't be frustrated, or I'm sorry, be frustrated and do not sin. Be disappointed and do not sin. Be provoked and do not sin. Be hurt and do not sin. Be irritated and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. It's possible to be provoked and to react, to feel that rush of blood, if you like, but not to let that lead to a sinful thought or a sinful reaction, because that matters to God. And instead, it's possible to bring that under the Spirit's control with God's help. And what clearly, it seems to me, helped David in this as he faced these disappointments and provocations was this, he feared sinning. He feared losing the presence of God. Look at verse 6. It says, uh, There are many who say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. And I like the NIV. It's let the light of your face shine upon us. Let the light of your face. I suppose, in, in other words, what he was saying was, Lord, I want your presence. And I want to know your presence. I want to know the joy of your presence. He wanted the smile of God's face. And he resolved, it seems to me, that though he felt angry, there was enough for him to be angry because of his betrayal, because of the things that were said of him, the way he was being treated. But because he valued the smile of God, the presence of God, he didn't want to lose that. And so he somehow brought that to God and, and laid it and, and just called out to God and asked for God's help in that moment. He recognized that the smile of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the, the, the joy of God was so much worth having. Look at verse 7 and 8. He says, You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. You know, that he, he knew the joy, the gladness of heart, and he didn't want to lose that, so he was careful to guard his heart in those times. Spurgeon said of his friend and evangelist, a man called J. Manton Smith, he said that seeing his smile was as good as taking a fortnight's holiday. And now if that's true of a person, that's certainly true of God, isn't it? God, knowing God's smile, knowing the presence of God, the joy of God. So first, resolve not to sin. Secondly, simple thoughts, reflect for a moment. Reflect for a moment. Verse 4, second part. Meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. We've had a lot of stillness, haven't we, um, in terms of the songs? Be still. Meditate on your, within your heart, on your bed, and be still. Now, it's not possible, I know, in difficult situations to say, I just need to go down and lie, lie down for a moment. I just need to have a, a moment, you know, just give me a piece while I cool, cool down. I'd, I'll, I'll come back to you. You can't do that. But I think that it seems to me the principle is there that it is important that we learn how to take a step back 
when something happens to us that provokes us, not to react immediately in the heat of the moment. Proverbs 19.11, I'm going to read it in the, the English Standard Version here. It says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offence. Proverbs 19.11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offence. There's a lot in the, script, in, in the wisdom literature about just not reacting quickly, not, not responding quickly. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be, hang, to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. The NIV says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. I've told this before, but it's worth telling again. A motorist was driving along a narrow country lane, and another motorist suddenly came from the opposite direction, from round a bend. And the guy who was driving just quickly had to pull over as far as he could, and the other guy just managed to scrape by. And as this other guy passed by, he wound down the window, and as he sped off, he shouted, Pig! through it. And this incensed the man. He thought to himself, what a cheek, what more could I do? Pulled over as far as I could, I couldn't get any further. He was so mad, he slammed down his foot on the accelerator, sped off round the corner and ran over a pig. <laughs> reactions. Reactions. Quick, hasty reactions. Get us into so much trouble. Someone has attributed to Mark Twain this saying, Better to keep silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I wish I'd written that. Better to keep silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. A little girl was asked by a Sunday school teacher, now, what are you going to do when Satan next comes knocking at your door? She thought for a moment and said, I think I'll send Jesus to answer it. Now, that is a great way, isn't it? Great answer. Somebody comes, Satan comes knocking at your door. And, well, that can come in many guises, can't it? And just pause. And I think as well, I think there is wisdom in, not just in the moment, but afterwards. Because how many times have we felt, oh, I've made a right mess of that. I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. To actually reflect then. We, we're different, aren't we? This is what makes us different to the animal kingdom. We can actually reflect. We can Well, not, there's lots of other differences, but we can reflect. We can think about it. Actually, I didn't do that right. Actually, I shouldn't have reacted like that. I, and First of all, I need God's forgiveness. And, and I can change. I need to change this. So reflect. Reflect. So resolve not to sin. Reflect for a moment before speaking. Thirdly, respond with praise. Verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And I'm, I'm thinking here of the sacrifice of praise, the lips, um, Hebrews 13, verse 15, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now I know it's easy to say that, isn't it? 
to say, let's respond with praise when en- when anybody thumps us, <laughs> you know, or do something nasty to us, or something happens to us, and we're anxious, we're struggling, we're really up against it. But David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So it was his resolve to praise. And praise actually is a choice, isn't it? How, in fact, how I react is a choice. I can't, I can't just blame my temper or I can't just blame my hurt pride. When, whatever, however I react, that is my choice. So if it's frustration, even disappointment, I suppose, certainly resentment, anger, and how I give in to that or follow that through, that is always a choice. And praise God, with God's help, we always have a choice to make. A little boy was watching the vicar in the garden next door, fitting a trellis to the garden wall. The vicar said, are you trying to pick up some tips? The boy said, no, he says, I'm waiting to see what a vicar says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> we all have to learn how to do this. We all have to learn whatever experience, however long we've been a Christian, how to react in a godly way or in a good way. And when we don't and when we fail, and we all do, we need to know God's forgiveness and say, Lord, I got that wrong. Sorry. And then, fourthly, lastly, remind yourself to trust God. Remind yourself to trust God. So resolve not to sin. Reflect for a moment. Respond with praise. Remind yourself to trust God. Verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust. Deliberately fix your trust in God. That One of the, um, the songs we sang, Be still and know that I am God. In thee, O God, do I put my trust. There was every reason for David to do what most of us would do in his situation. Become filled with self-pity, get discouraged, begin complaining about the unfairness of it all, become angry and take it out on others, and blame them for all that was happening. And yet David, in his extreme circumstances, somehow managed to put his trust in God and find strength in God. And he, he did it over and over again, didn't he? He talked about his shield in Psalm 3, verse 2 and four, uh, 2 to 4. Many are there who save me. There is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. God was his shield. He had such confidence in God. So, When we feel under pressure, when we're faced with difficult circumstances, when our mind is unsettled, and we go through times like that, we can feel anxious, worry grips our thoughts, we can get agitated, we can feel overwhelmed, where all of us can experience those things. Three things, four things. Let's learn to resolve not to sin. Reflect for a moment before speaking and reflect afterwards. Respond with praise. Remind ourselves to trust in 
God. And with that, by that, through that, we can learn how to react in a way that is honoring to God and pleasing to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it is so grounded in practical things. It's about life. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you have called us to live out our lives in a, in a world where there is often, and we often face difficulties or hardships, and we often face trials. Lord, that's just life. Life is like that. But Lord, thank you that you're also concerned about how we should react, how we should speak, even how we should think. And Lord, we know that we fail so often in these things and have failed, and we need your forgiveness. We need, Lord, to be more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us and help me. Help us, Lord, to put on that love of Christ like a, like a cloak, to put on that garment of praise. Lord, to be able to just t take a step back and just wait for your help and strength, to deliberately put our trust in you. How we thank you for Jesus, who never sinned, never ever went out of the will of God, was always full of the Spirit, and through that was such a testimony to people of what a real follower of Christ, of God, could be. So, Lord, help us, we pray, who have those who have the Spirit of Christ. Help us, Lord, to really seek to please you. Help us, Lord, we pray, to fear sinning. Help us, Lord, to want so much your presence, your glory, your joy in our lives. So, Lord, help us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power of the Spirit within us, who is always seeking to help us to become more like Jesus. Lord, bless each one, I pray. Some I know, Lord, are facing really difficult situations, circumstances which they wouldn't have chosen, difficult things to face. Lord, would you be especially gracious and full of love for them and to them. Just meet their needs day by day in this coming week, I pray with great grace, great supplies of patience and love. Lord, thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to sing this song, which um, yeah, was new to me, and it's, the words are lovely. It says, Give me passion for your purity. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude. Kindness to the greatest and the least, gentleness that sows the path of peace. So it all fits in so well with the, the theme of the, of the message. So let's pray. So Lord, we pray. Breath of God, show Christ in all we do. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude in this coming week. Kindness to the greatest and the least. Gentleness that sows the path of peace.
Cause us, Lord, we pray, to hunger for your ways. And we thank you, Lord, that we're not alone in this. And help us to encourage each other and uh, to support each other and pray for each other. And Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit lives within us day by day, moment by moment. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the grace and the mercy and the peace of God that will fill us this week as we go through the day and through the days. In Jesus' name.